Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. Today we'll cover some key exam content, uh, albeit not something you're likely to run into in the ICU too often. The thyroid is a deceptive little organ tucked in the neck, quietly secreting hormones and interfering in negative feedback loops. It usually restricts its mischief to outpatient clinics by running hot or cold on a chronic basis, occasionally hypertrophying and interfering with its more important neighbour, the airway. But every now and then, in a peak, it decides it's fed up with this low-level mischief and uses its deeply embedded relationship with the rest of the body to wreak havoc. So we'll split this into two parts, one when the thyroid goes on strike and is underactive, and the other when it goes bananas and secretes far too much hormone. Some basic physiology to start with, thyroid hormones are essential for all organ systems. The active forms are T3 and T4, and T3 is generally the more active one. They are synthesised by incorporating iodine into tyrosine residues in the thyroglobulin in the thyroid gland. Hence how iodine deficiency can cause a deficit in thyroid hormone. Their release into the circulation is stimulated by TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone, and TSH causes endocytosis of this thyroglobulin into the follicular cells, where they undergo hydrolysis into T3 and T4, which is released into the circulation. Both are highly protein-bound and the thyroid-binding globulin. Okay, so our first relevant condition is a wonderfully named thyroid storm. Most commonly, you might see this as part of untreated grave disease, and it can be precipitated by the usual physiological stressors such as surgery or sepsis, etc. Clinical features you might expect to see, or at least you'd expect to see in an exam scenario, fever, tachycardia, fast AFib, jaundice, delirium, heart failure, eye signs, or maybe a goiter consistent with um, thyroid disease. For awareness, there is a clinical prediction tool that rejoices in the name of the birch wartowski point scale, and this includes most of the features listed above, and you can look it up on MDCalc. It's clear that the features listed above are all fairly non-specific, and like always, it's probably just sepsis. But if something in the spidey sense tingles, um, and then finding undetectable TSH and high tier T4, that should really get you thinking about thyroid storm. In reality, this is an incredibly rare diagnosis, one which in its truly fulminant form I have yet to see, um, or perhaps more accurately, one that I have failed to diagnose as yet. Um, this is of course hardly surpri- surprising, as hopefully it's clear by now in this podcast that I am not especially good at what I do, and I continue to put my appointment to my current job down as some kind of administrative error that is yet to be detected. So once you've decided you've made the diagnosis, then you'll need a few basic principles of treatment. First, do a bit of resuscitation. There may well be some coexisting sepsis, always a good idea, give some antibiotics. If they're hypoxic, give some oxygen. They may need some fluid, or indeed, they may be in congestive heart failure. The key here is to do an assessment, and this likely includes having a sneaky peek at the heart and the lungs with some an ultrasound. A commonly recommend, for example, a commonly recommended treatment is propanolol to help with the tachycardia. Uh, and many patients with thyroid storm will be hyperdynamic and tachycardic and giving a beta blocker may well be a good idea. But giving a negative inotrope to someone whose heart is a bit clapped out is generally considered bad form. The key take-home message is, is to assess comprehensively and then decide. For specific thyroid therapies, your list should include some steroids. This reduces the release of thyroid hormone from the gland, and there is occasionally some coexisting adrenal insufficiency, so you'll treat that as well. You'll need to use something like PTU, propylthyrouracil, or carbimazole in order to block new production of thyroid hormone. Good luck finding PTU at 3am. 
Having performed one miracle in locating PTU, you're now expected to perform a, a second miracle and find something that sounds um, more like something you'd you'd find in a tonic from a Wild West apothecary. This is, of course, Lugol's solution. Um, that's the name that it rejoices in when you go and look for it in a lot of the American websites. Only give this once thyroid production has been blocked. Recommendations suggest maybe an R afterwards. It contains typically a bunch of iodine and that will block the release of any T3 or 4 left in the gland. Your next patient in your exam viva is now going to come from the opposite end of the thyroid spectrum, myxedema coma. Um, as an aside, myxedema coma is of course a terrible name. The patient may well not have edema or be in a coma. Again, uh, Farkas on the Internet Book of Critical Care uses the term decompensated hypothyroidism, which I think is a much more descriptive and accurate term. This is hypothyroidism, but not as you've seen it before. Typical features, or as Josh Farkas calls them, cognitive triggers to consider myxedema coma include neuromuscular features like reduced consciousness, delirium, slow reflexes and weakness, hypothermia, the classic is someone found unresponsive with a much more lower temperature than expected um, given the environmental conditions, endocrinitis like low sugars and low sodiums, cardiovascular features such as bradycardia, hypotension, pericardial effusion is a big one, respiratory features like alkalosis and pleural effusions, and GI issues like ileus and weight gain. Again, lots of these are very non-specific, so keep the differential broad before anchoring on the diagnosis too early. As expected, TFTs will be helpful and in general expect to find a high TSH and a low T3 or 4. Management will involve your usual assessment and resuscitation, but the specific therapy here is IV thyroid hormone. It does exist, but can be hard to track down at 3am. Your ICU probably has it, and you've typically only seen it before as part of management of a potential organ donor and brain death. T4 is the one that you'll see typically recommended. Um, this will be converted intracellularly to the more active T3, and is thought to be the kind of the gentler and the safer version to give. But in Ireland, certainly the most commonly one available will be T3. These people also need a bit of steroid, typically some hydrocortisone for the ubiquitous adrenal insufficiency, and indeed giving thyroid hormone without steroid may actually precipitate an adrenal crisis. For some reading on this, the O's, ch- chapter, uh, O's Manual chapter 61 covers this. I previously covered this in the Tasty Morsels of Emergency Medicine series way back when I did my Emergency Medicine Fellowship exams, number 130. <clears throat> the Internet Book of Critical Care by Josh Farkas is excellent on this, uh, as is of always Alex Schwarzer's Doreen Physiology. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you next time.